tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching for silent by night,
breath of life still more awesome than I know
so good to see you in the Lord's house today. If you're happy to be here, say amen. amen. I wish I could thank everybody personally for all the help that you have rendered to the church throughout the month of December. You have gone beyond yourself. Uh, so many of our people were involved in the dinner theater and the Lord just poured out his blessings on that in a wonderful way. Uh, our Christmas Eve service was just fantastic and all of the work that goes on behind the scenes which many of us never see, all the hands-on work with the sets and all the decorations and all of these things that happen throughout Christmas. Um, I, I want you to feel uh, very thanked for the job that you've done this year. We've, we've had more people say this year that they were so incredibly blessed during this Christmas time, and I know that it's uh, as a result of some of the hard work that all of you have done uh, working together. Please reach in the book rack right there in front of you somewhere and pull out our little friendship folder, that little black folder, and if you'll be so kind to put your name on that and uh, give it to a person somewhere near you, uh, I'll appreciate that this morning. Uh, last evening in the church, uh, Peg and Rich to Catch. They are uh, faithful Saturday night church attenders. Uh, Rich came in and he said, listen, I got to tell you about this. Uh, for those of you who've been coming on a regular basis, you know I've been asking you to make that little box, that little Jesus box to put under your Christmas tree. Uh, wrap it up, put it to Jesus on it, make it a, a conversation piece. Well, Rich came in last night and he says, let me tell you what I did. He said, I did what you told us to do. And I thought, well, that's an amazing thing. <laughs> you know, uh, He said, I did what you told, told us to do. We wrapped a little box, put it under our tree, had Jesus on the front of it. And uh, our grandkids came in for, of course, Christmas. And they said, now, what's all that about? And uh, he got to tell them. He, evidently, he constructed the box. You could take the lid off. And inside of the box, look at this. This is what was inside the box. Our gift list here from the church. And he explained to his grandkids that uh, this is what Christmas is going to be about at our, at our house this year. Actually, Peg and Rich went so far to tell them, listen, we're not exchanging any gifts this year. We are giving our, our money uh, to the church missionary fund. And uh, I thought that was so neat. And the kids, you know, they just didn't have an eye, a clue what that box was with the name Jesus was on it. And so this is where we are with our birthday gift to Jesus offering so far. 
Uh, we're at 41,000. Our goal, you see, is way, way up there, 73. Now, when we get, when we can reach that goal, that will mean that, uh, that we are able financially to take care of every one of these persons and projects on our Christmas list. And boy, that just thrills us that when we're able to do that. And so you continue to pray about your part. Over the next five or six weeks, uh, these funds, Lord willing, will continue to come in. A lot of times people can't give until after they wrapped up their books for the year to see where they are financially. Uh, and uh, let's pray together that, first of all, let's ask God what we can do personally. Uh, then let's try to do more than we've done for any other person on our Christmas list because Christmas is about Christ. And uh, this is a wonderful way to make a good investment in spiritual things for a long, long time to come. And uh, let's give by faith. If you want to give a certain amount to the Lord, pray about it and expect it to come in over the next few weeks, okay? And when you bring your offering to the church, just make sure you separate it Christmas so that we can keep a good record, keep it separate from our regular gifts. And uh, I think that uh, God will give us the victory if... If all of us participate, it has to be a total church effort. Also out in the foyer, we have uh, our Bible reading schedules for the new year. We put a lot of them out last week. They were just, they evaporated out there. People took them home. There's a lot of them out there right now. Uh, this is what Joanne and I have used for the last three or four years, and it works well for us. I like to check things off. When I read a chapter of the Bible, I check it. And when I read five, I check those five. And this just kind of keeps you on course. Now, if you have a better system than this, just ignore this announcement. But if you don't, <laughs> pay heed, okay? Uh, this will be a big help. You keep this in your Bible. You open it and say, okay, where's my reading for today? And you, and you, and you go from there. And uh, you can pick that up uh, after the service out there in that little table. Let's stand together this morning as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you so much for your faithfulness uh, in giving each week. Uh, I notice there are still a few offering envelopes uh, available out there in the foyer. If you haven't looked over that little table, maybe yours is on that table uh, for the coming year. And if you can't find one out there, write your name on that tablet and uh, we'll get them to you as soon as we can. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day which you've given to us and all the blessings that you've poured down upon our church. Uh, we thank you for our wonderful people, how uh, harmoniously they work together. And uh, Lord, we don't take this for granted, but we thank you for every blessing. We pray now, Lord, as we come to render back to you a portion of what you've given to us, we pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So this is a, this is a new song to the church. And um, I just love songs that praise God. Like that's just what they're written for is just bring praise to God. So I'm guessing you won't know it initially, but jump in. This looks like a singing group that wants to sing this morning. So as we play through it, you start to pick up on it. Just sing praises to our God this morning.
are my God, you're glorious, glorious, and God, you are my God, victorious, victorious, from the dawn of time you you're the God who saves all the earth will shout your praise you will never change you're the God who saves from the dawn of time you reign till the end of days you're the God who saves saves all the earth will shout your praise you will never change you're the God who saves God you are my God your glory Victorious, victorious. Let's pray together. Father God, it is such a wonderful experience to be able to come into your house and to sing praises with your, with your people. Father, we are so blessed that you have given us voices to sing. God, that you have given us breath today to praise you. Lord, that we can bring worship to you. God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity, and we thank you for what you're going to do here this morning, God, as Ken comes and he speaks and he brings what you would have us learn today, God. Open our hearts, Lord. If there are things in our hearts that are keeping us from proper fellowship with you, God, we confess those before you this morning, Lord. We just ask you to open our eyes to truth this morning, that we may be blessed, Lord, that we can walk out of this place more in line with how you want us to live and to walk in obedience to you, God. You're worthy of praise. You are worthy of this, Lord, and I just pray for strength for Ken now as he comes, God. May you be blessed and glorified through this, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Simple Christmas. That's been our service themes for the month of December, and I hope that you did have a simple Christmas. I think at times it's rather complicated, though, isn't it? How do you uh, how do you get a gift for somebody who has everything? Has that ever come across your mind? Is there anybody on your list like that? How do I get a gift for somebody who has everything? I know as uh, I start thinking about the different people on our list, you know, it's like, how do you buy a gift? for somebody who has everything within my resources that, that, that I can possibly give them. This morning, I'd like for us to think about what can I give to a king? What kind of a gift could I give to a king? Because that's really what it is. You know, that what, what can I come and bring to the king of kings that is within my resources? And uh, we want to look at that this morning. So if you have your Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Two, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. We want to look this morning at, at, at what the wise men, the story of the wise men this morning. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, 
where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written in the, by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring, bring back word to me, so that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take this young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all of its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, Take this young child, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. This morning I'd like to share with you just a few thoughts from our passage this morning. What can I bring to a king? First of all, we'd like to look at the king who didn't get it. That's the first point in your notes, is the king who didn't get it. King Herod, as, uh, as we see in chapter 2, verses 3 to 7, he is, uh, he is not a good guy at all. King Herod was, uh, was, was reigning from the time of 47 B.C. to about 4 A.D., and he was obviously not one of the kings that came into the, your little manger set. Uh, you know the manger set you put up under the tree, and you have the wise men, the shepherd, and the, you have these few little kings? He was not one of them. Um, as a matter of fact, he was really an insecure leader. Uh, he was threatened by even the mention that somebody else may threaten his power. Uh, he was interested in appearances. He, 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 this was a big deal for him because he was known as Herod the Great. And that is what drove Herod. Everything about Herod was that he wanted to be known as great. And when he was dead, he wanted people to know that he was the greatest. That was his whole challenge in life. So he, he built buildings. He had a, a lot of accomplishments in buildings. And it was about making his name great. So whenever this, whenever this newborn king came into his territory, he was not about to share the glory of Herod with the glory of this newborn king. He wanted everyone to know how great he was. He, he had married ten wives. He was not a, not a good guy. He had married ten wives. He had numerous sons. The, numerous, uh, the, the sons began to make challenges to his throne began to make plots and several several of his wives they got in on the action to help with the plots herod became more and more suspicious he became very paranoid even torturing his son's friends to find out what plots were that his sons were making to get to his throne it, it was not 
uncommon for him to murder anyone who got in his way. Herod was not a good guy. He even killed his own son just five days before he died. Josephus records that whenever, uh, when Herod was nearly 70 years old, he was stricken with an incurable disease. He says that Herod the Great died of painful and debilitating disease that caused breathing problems, convulsions, etc. And it was at this time, it was near the end of Herod's life that Jesus arrives on the scene. It's near the end of his reign. He had, he had this great long reign. He's aging. It's coming down to the end. And he is consumed not just with appearances, but he's also consumed with self-preservation and power. He wants the world to revolve around him. And that's what Herod did. He ruled in that way. And he had the power to, uh, to make poor decisions. He made a lot of evil decisions that were so harmful to the people. To just, just murder and kill people, anybody that got in his way. Because he, he had a desire for his self-rule. His self, uh, self-preservation and self-rule, this power, that he would be number one. Uh, let's look at the passage here. Uh, Matthew 2, 3. Look at what it says here. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, the people, they would get very upset whenever Herod was upset because they knew it, didn't ha- it, it was not a good time for them. Uh, there would be a lot of pain for the people when Herod uh, the Great was in pain. Uh, Matthew 2, 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. He was was trying to deceive the wise men. He was trying to say, yes, I will come and worship him. But he had no intention to come and worship them. He was trying to, uh, to obviously... Uh, eliminate the competition. Eliminate the fact that this king, that, uh, think about this, these wise men showed up, they're bringing gifts, those gifts should be for me. And, th- and this king was uh, consumed with himself, he was consumed with the, everything about Herod the Great, so why would he want to share his glory with this competition? He was ready to wipe out the competition. Matthew 2.16, then Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and and in all of its districts from two years old and under, according to the time that he had determined from the wise men. He was threatened by everybody. He he, He was consumed with himself. Herod was the king, and he looked to advance his own power. He looked to advance his own causes. He was not bringing any gifts to this newborn king. He was threatened by it. And I want to think this morning about our own lives. How often are we motivated by some of these same issues, appearances? We want everything to just look like we've got it together. Have you ever felt that way? You know? I want to be able to keep up with the culture. I want to keep up with the Joneses. Um, you know, and, and just, yeah, we, have to, we have to buy those things so that we, so that we keep up with our neighbors. You know? Um, my neighbors, I've never been able to keep up with them, and they're all retired. You know, it, 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 listen, the appearance, this motivates us. We, we're motivated to be, to be caught up in appearances. Um, how, about, how about the things that we, that we consume? It's all about ourself. You know, and and I, these things are all temporary, and I'm trying to consume. We, can, we tend to consume our life with things that are about us and preserving myself, preserving my what little power that I have, re- preserving, preserving everything that the world would revolve around me. And this is what Herod did, and Herod did it to great, great extremes. And this morning, I want us to consider this was the king that didn't get it. But there were a few men who did get it, and they were the wise men. So the second point in your note is the wise men that pursued the king of kings. The wise men that pursued the king of kings. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So now at this point, in walk the, uh, in walk the wise men. 
And you know, I want to remind you that this is, this is actual history that's been recorded for us. This isn't just some tale. This isn't just some story to make us feel good around Christmas. This was an actual event that truly did occur. And as we held our Bibles, the, uh, God's Word is a living book, but there's also a tremendous amount of history that we can gain from that. And so we see that the, these actual events happen. And Herod is threatened, and in walk the wise men. But who are these wise men? I want you to think about that. Who are these wise men? I've often thought of that. I, you know, I read through the, read through the Bible, and we, we have our Christmas plays. We have the little manger that we put under the tree, and, and we have these guys, and, and some of them resemble, kind of look the same in, in everybody's different little, little manger sets that they put up. But who are these guys? Well, we've heard of the wise men referred to as kings. A lot of times we'll say that there were kings. Remember we sing the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are? All right, and I won't sing it for you, but um, it, it looks great in our pageantries to make them look like kings, doesn't it? And we have the big robe flowing and how exciting that is. But in reality, they probably weren't kings. Um, they were known as kings up until about A.D. 225, for Tertullian had called them kings. But uh, we have the biblical account that says that they were the wise men. And if we go back and find out the word that's actually used for the wise men is really magi. Um, it's where we get that word magician. And if you'll go back and you look into Daniel chapter 2, we'll see where the wise men, that there was a group of wise men that Nebuchadnezzar had called in. So we're going to put on the screen here Daniel 2.2. 2. And this was, the setting was Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and... He needed the dream interpreted. So he calls upon the wise men. And look who the classification. Here's that word magi, all right? Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. So this was, this was several generations earlier, several hundred years earlier. And they are... Uh, th this is Nebuchadnezzar, and he calls the king, uh, calls his wise men in, into the king room, and he's asking them to interpret his dream. Well, these are, this is not necessarily a negative connotation whenever you think of the term magi. And when we think of magi, we think of these guys. Well, oh, well, we're not into the, the magician and the sorcery part. I want you to see what who else was grouped in this group of wise men. They could not interpret the dream. So whenever they could not interpret the dream, he says, I'm going to basically have you guys killed. Let's go to 2.13, Daniel 2.13. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So Daniel had been grouped with this classification of wise men. Uh, he was in exile, and, and Daniel had been... Uh, was able now to give special service to the king, but he was part of this classification of these group of wise men, of the Magi group. And so, <clears throat> as we think of this, not all these guys that were in there, in the group of the Magi, were necessarily into magic. It was that this was, this was a group of astrologers, uh, scientists. These were some of the smartest people of the day. So who were these men? These were uh, the, the Magi. These were the, the scientific people. They, they were the brain trust. You went to them for answers. The king called upon them for answers. And as we think today, I want, you to I want to remind you that you know, last week, Pastor shared that the shepherds were among the first to get the news. And the shepherds, they were nearby. The angels spoke to them, and they came running in. And yes, God came to the common person first. He gave them that opportunity Come in, and, and these, the shepherds were lowly people, and God looked upon them and gave them a pretty good position in, this, in, in the history of events here. But God also, God did not neglect to give everybody an opportunity because he also invited the wise men. He invited these people that were very scholarly, scientific people, and he invited them in to participate in this event it was the beginning that would change the world. So God, did not, God does not exclude anybody. Um, God looks, and he's looking for humble hearts, but God has given an opportunity for all to come to him. So 
Christ came to save all. Secondly, why did they follow the star? Did you ever think about this? Why would they follow the star? Um, stars just don't move. When we see them, I, I'm sure that there's, there's a, a regular pattern that the stars go through, and you can find different constellations at different times. But when this star appeared, it was different. And I want you to think a little bit about how did they know that this star should be something to be followed? How did they know that there was any significance? Because for, for the wise men, they had to stop what they were doing and get on a, get on a journey. Um, let's think about this. If Daniel, if, they were, if these wise men were from Persia, were from out in the area of, of the former Babylon, if they came from that area, Daniel, several hundred years earlier, had been in that area and he had a ministry. And he opened the word of God and he spoke the word of God to the people there. And for Daniel, it was a terrible, terrible time. Daniel paid an incredible price, but yet Daniel was faithful to what God had called him to do. And as Daniel was there, he had a ministry. He opened up God's word. He, he responded to the king. And, and you go through the book of Daniel and see all the exciting things of Daniel. But let me remind you that it was not a fun time for Daniel. Daniel was in pain and many times agony but he was faithful and he gave the word of God out. And he had been among this group called the wise men. And after his life is gone, he has a ministry that lives beyond his life. Because these men have a copy of the word of God. And he has had an impact on them. And the Jews had been spread out. Every time they went into exile, they were spread out all over that Middle East. All over the East, they were spread out. And there... It was a ministry that outlasted their life. And I want to encourage you. Sometimes you're going through issues and God is, is working in your life and there's pain. We're opening up God's word. You want to bring your neighbors to Christ. You're, you're trying to impact your world. And you say, it looks like all hope is gone. It looks like the world is just so dark right now. It looks like, this, like we have been defeated. In the meantime, God is using you and you're, whatever it is that he's doing in your life, is going to have an impact way beyond what you can see. Maybe even beyond your life. Wouldn't that be exciting? To know, and if we can have that kind of faithfulness. Now, this is one of the verses that, uh, that help us understand the star that the wise men probably knew about. Uh, Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Further, these men had copies of the scriptures. They were the wise men and they had known, and no doubt had known that this was an important thing. And just think of the promise that had been coming. They had, they had known that this was coming. This would take, take a major, this was going to be a major event in the his, history of the world. Their journey was, uh, their journey was not short. That's the next question. How long was their journey? It was not a short journey. Uh, it was likely a long journey. Uh, again, we don't have details. The scripture doesn't give us details. The scripture doesn't give us the names of these wise men. Uh, it doesn't tell us how many that there were. You know, we always think of three wise men because the, we, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the scripture doesn't tell us that there were only three. Uh, it says that there were wise men. There were probably many wise men that came. Uh, what, the tradition comes up and gives us several names, and you can go out and find those names. But those names are, are just tradition. The Scripture doesn't tell us more than the fact that they were wise men. It doesn't tell us where they came from. But we know that the wise men were all over the East. And think of the journey as they had to come in. I want to just show you this, this map here. Uh, there we have Iran and Iraq, Syria and Israel. This was a common trade route that the wise men probably took from the east to come into Israel. Now, they traveled on foot. They traveled by camel. This was not, this was not the modern-day travel that you and I think of. You know, today we could get a plane and probably fly over that in a few hours. Uh, today, uh, if, you, if you were to draw a line straight across, it's about 500 miles. But if you take the, the route, and I'm sure it had to do with water, 
was 900 miles. So a 900-mile journey in for this event. This was, this was an incredible feat that they did. They, they come on foot. Uh, they have their entourage, and they make it down in. And so this was not something that happened in the same week. Uh, Mary and Joseph were no longer in the stable. Okay? They stayed in Bethlehem, the Scriptures tell us. And if you look in verse 11, it says, when they, had came, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. So when they had come into the house, it wasn't the stable anymore. They had settled into Bethlehem, and the baby wasn't no, was no longer a baby. It was a young child. The baby was growing. So it was at least four months. If you go and read about Ezra, when Ezra came back out of captivity, it was a four-month journey for him. Um, so it was at least four months. Some scholars say about two years. And we can, we can see that from our passage because Herod says he's going he's going to kill all the babies two uh, male babies two years and under based on the time that the wise men saw the star so so as we see this uh, the, this journey it's an incredible journey they had barriers to overcome the light so ju just think of that that was an incredible journey to come by on foot um, but consider these wise men they had um, a lot of obstacles I want you to think about this these men were the scholarly people of the day. They were the scientists. They had their routine, and they probably had a lot of comfort. They had a lot of riches, no doubt. And they now see the star appear, and they realize the significance of the star, and they begin their journey. And that star, we don't know if the star moved all the way, but we do know that it moved from Bethlehem, uh, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So whether they saw the star in the east, it says that they saw the star in the east, or whether the star moved all along the way, the star was the light for their journey. It was the light. And I want you to think about this this morning, that God has a light for our journey. Let's look at Psalm 119, 105. Let's read this aloud together. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to use his word to turn the lights on. When I open up his word, I turn the light on to my path. It's like a flashlight. It's like a, like a, like a giant light. It lights up the path. And whenever I have the light on, I can see. But whenever I don't have the light on... I can't see. And this is what happens in our lives. If I can just encourage you here. As you open up God's Word and the light is on, you can make decisions in your life that are beneficial for, for your marriage, that are beneficial for your children, that are beneficial for your life. But when the lights are off, it's nearly impossible. It's nearly impossible to make the, the right decision. As a matter of fact, I many times make decisions that are self-destructive when the lights are off. God wants you to have the light on as the light was the guide to bring them to this newborn king. God's not leaving you today without a light. You don't have to go out and look for a star. You have the star. It is right here. And God says, just open his word, find out who he is, and allow him to illuminate your path. The wise men gave gifts in honor of the fact that this was indeed the king. You've got to remember, these people really believed that this was a king. Think about that. This is a king. So they come to him with three gifts, the scriptures tell us. And uh, let's look at those three gifts. They, they help us to understand the identity. The wise men worshipped the newborn king. All right? That's another fill in the blank in your notes. The wise men worshipped the newborn king. Uh, Matthew 2.11 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Um, let's look at their gifts. Number one was gold. Gold was a, a kingly gift. 
This uh, lets us see the kingship of Jesus. Remember, Matthew is writing his gospel to a group of people that, that are Jewish background. That's who he was trying to talk to. So with this Jewish background, he's telling them, listen, Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king. And, and so you look through his lineage, a, a Jewish background, they would understand. Okay, he has the rights to the throne of David. So when, even whenever they're talking about the gifts, they see gold. Gold was a kingly gift. It was, gold was most often on a king's scepter. Frankincense. Frankincense is a gift for deity, a gift for, for deity. And it was an ingredient used in making perfume for the most holy place in the tabernacle. It is used in expensive incense. Frankincense was used by the priest on the altar. This speaks of our great high priest, our intercessor. It shows the priestly office of the Messiah. So we see the, the king. We see the priest. And last but not least is the myrrh. Myrrh was a spice used to anoint a body for burial. It was a fragrant perfume. And this was not the only use of myrrh. It had many uses. It was used as an ingredient in, an, in anointing oil. It was also used in clothes to deodorize them. And it was well, but it was most well known for its embalming part in the embalming process of the day. Myrrh had a t was obtained from a thorny tree and used primarily for embalming the dead. And that speaks of the sacrifice that Jesus would one day pay for us. He was our prophet, priest, and king. This was the, uh, the office of the Messiah. So the wise men came. They worshiped the Lord they, the text tells us that they fell down, 2.11. They fell down and worshipped him. And I want you to, to think about this, because as, as I look through there, you know, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh always get the excitement, because that is exciting. They brought these gifts. But what was most exciting to me was that before they gave those gifts, those wise men fell down, because they believed this was the king fell down and worshipped because they believed that this was the king. And I want you to think about your life today. Do we fall down and worship our God because we believe who he really is? That is what worship is. Stopping and responding to our God because I believe that he is almighty. I believe that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they, they knew that they were co close. They began to ask, where is the newborn king? I want you to think of the, the wise men. They had to, their, their, their schedule was interrupted. Everything that they were doing, they were inconvenienced, but yet they followed the light. And they had to make a lot of changes, a lot of sacrifices. A 900-mile journey. Imagine what they could have lost on that journey. Imagine the bandits that could have gotten to them. Imagine the pain, the uncomfort of the travel, the several-month journey that it took them to get there. Their life was radically changed, and when they arrived, they bowed down and they worship the king. Today, what can you bring to a king? You can bring your presence. The gift that you can bring to the king is your presence. You know, we have so much that we can give to the Lord. Uh, he, he's given us so much. He's given you your time. And you know, the, whenever they gave those gifts, they gave what was valuable to the Lord. They weren't just giving anything. These things were things of great value. So I want you to think about your time this morning. God has given you time. Time is money. Isn't that what we say today? Right? Time is money. So your time, when you give your time to the Lord, you're giving something valuable to Him. Um, he's given you this time. You get to manage it. And so when you come and you get before the Lord and, and you turn the light on, you turn the light on in your life, God starts to work in your life. But that's just part of your worship. You're responding. And I do this not because I have to. I do it because I want to, because this is the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, and I fall down before him, and I give him my time. My talent. You know, God has given everybody a talent. Um, you say, well, I could never do this, and, you know, I could never do what you do. And everybody has different things. 
But God has given everyone a talent, and he says to use them for his glory, to give them to God. And so when we come, we give our talent to the Lord. We lift that up before the Lord, and we humble ourselves before the Lord, and we give him those talents. How about our treasure? You have this treasure. God has given you everything that you have. All the provision that you have all comes from the hand of the Lord. But he has asked you and I to give back to him of our treasure. So when I give it to him, I'm humbling myself and saying, Here, Lord, you are the king. I worship you. But more than all those things that we can give him, he's looking for your presence. Emmanuel, God with us. That was the gift that Jesus gave to us. His presence. He wants your attention. He wants your affection. He wants your heart. And he wants you to come and get in his presence. He wants you to turn the light on. You know, pastor has been encouraging everybody to, to get onto a Bible reading plan. Whether it's the little book that you can pick up in the foyer or another plan that you have that's a Bible app. I know so many people are using the Bible app on the phone and the iPad. You open it and you read God's word and he turns on the light in your life. But it's going to take inconvenience. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take change. And I want to encourage you as we close our service this morning, let's stop and take a few moments and worship our Lord. Let's begin to make some plans for 2014 as you are crossing over this time uh, the time bridge this week, when we go from 2000 to 2000, 2013 to 14, what is God wanting you to do to turn the light on this year? As we close our service, I'd like to put up Isaiah 9, 6. This is a very familiar verse that we often quote at this time of the year. And I'd like for us to just close by worshiping the Lord. He wants you to fall down in response to him. Listen, Herod believed he was a king. He was threatened, and he responded by, let's, let's get rid of him. Um, the wise men believed he was a king, and they traveled 900 miles to get there. And they came, and they fell down, and they worshiped him. He is the king, and he wants to rule and reign in your heart. So as we close, I want you to read this with me out loud. And then when we get to the names of the verse, we're just going to read one at a time. And as, that, as we read that name, we're going to pause for a few moments. And I'm going to ask you in your heart, quietly in your seat, just to respond in worship to your God for who he is. Let's begin reading. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful. Respond to your God. He is wonderful. This isn't some fact that we check off. He wants you to respond to Him. Let's read together. He's the counselor. He's your counselor. Respond to Him. He knows every burden that you have to carry. He knows every disappointment you've ever faced. And he can be your personal counselor if you'll come to him. He is the mighty God. Respond to him this morning. He is the mighty God. He has power to conquer anything that you may be facing. Anything that has gotten in your path. He's the mighty God and can overcome. And we call upon Him and we trust Him. He's the everlasting Father. He always was and He always will be. And you can put your faith and trust in Him. And last but not least, He is the Prince of Peace. Let's bow in prayer today.
as you just take these few moments, would you respond to the greatness of God? This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords that was born, and we've been celebrating all month long. But He wants to be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of your life. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is so much bigger than this world. His kingdom is of your heart. So today I want to encourage you. Maybe you're sitting in this church and you say, I have not opened my heart to this king yet. You can do that today. Just open your heart. Cry out to the Lord. Pray a prayer quietly, something like this. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I've offended your holiness. But you died on that cross. You came to this earth to pay for my sin. You died on that cross. You came back to life again. And I invite you in now to my life. For others in this room, I'd like to challenge you as the light on. Maybe you've been walking in darkness. And it's just so dark out there. It's so empty. When the light is on, things happen in your life. God does only what He can do. But you've got to allow Him to put that light on. Would you make some commitments before the Lord now? Begin to make some plans. How will I be more serious about getting into the light? What gifts will I give to the King of my time, my talent, my treasure? Father God, we come before you and I thank you for our church family, Lord. What a wonderful place to be, to come home to family. I pray you will move mightily, Lord, in our lives as we think of the reality of turning this light on. God, thank you for what you've done. We will be sure to honor and glorify you as we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In your name we pray.